welcome back to Bengal Bites, a podcast about the Cincinnati Bengals from a real, raw, unfiltered perspective. I'm your host, Derek. This is episode 33, the week 15 recap episode where the Bengals miraculously pulled out a victory at home against the Minnesota Vikings and improved to 8-6 and six on the year and are in the playoffs as of this week. So this is an incredible achievement for this team who looked like they were dead. The season was over as soon as Joe Burrow went out. We played against the Steelers with Jake Browning in his first game. That went horribly. Things were not looking good for this team for the rest of the year. But somehow they've found a way to pull it back together, get things back on the right track, and things are looking up, trending in the right direction, we could say. I'm not going to say they have momentum because that doesn't exist, but we'll get into that later. Hopefully you watched this game. It was an unbelievable game. I don't know if a lot of people did watch it. I didn't hear a lot of people talking about this game. Unfortunately, I feel like after Joe Burrow went out with the injury, most people stopped paying attention. I know the the podcast listenership has died down a little bit, unfortunately. hasn't hasn't seen a lot of new listeners. So if you're still listening, thank you for joining me again. If you're brand new to this show, go back and check out episode zero where I explain more about who I am and why I'm making this show, but I wanted to make a podcast as a former college football player with a little bit of playing experience myself without any kind of sponsorships or outside influences. I just wanted to make a football podcast for football fans who want to talk about the game. So that's what we're going to do. In this podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different than I have been in some of the previous episodes. I'm going to change it up a little bit. I went back and I watched the All-22 Coaches Angle both angles, so you can see the wide angle and the close-up of behind, straight behind the line of scrimmage, to get some better perspective. Instead of just watching the broadcast on television, or I, I could re-watch that in a condensed form, but I like to watch the All-22 because you can see a little bit more nuance and see the development of the plays and see what everybody on the field is doing, not just the kind of tight angle that you see most of the time when you're watching on television. When you watch those wider angle, you can see who's getting open or who's not open, see how things are developing with receivers down the field. So it's a little bit more interesting for me. So I recorded some of my thoughts while I was watching that All-22. So I'll kind of edit some of that down. Hopefully it's not too annoying to listen to me live commentate a game that you're not watching. But I feel like that may be a, a better way to do it if, if I record it just kind of while I'm watching it. I don't want to do it live in the moment because I, I get way too excited. If, if I try to record myself during the games, I'd be like screaming and going insane and I'd sound like a crazy person. I can't record that and put that on the, on the internet. So I have to record my more restrained reactions after the fact. Hopefully I have some good analysis in there. We'll see. But before we get to that, I want to just get some high level thoughts about the game before you completely turn out. I'm sure nobody's going to listen to that anyway. So High-level thoughts of this game. Like I said, it was an amazing win. The Bengals, I mean, offensively, they spread the ball around. We didn't see too much from the Stars in terms of Jamar Chase. He had kind of a quiet day, four receptions for 64 yards. He was actually the leading receiver. But T. Higgins made a couple of big plays in this game. He had two touchdowns, one especially amazing touchdown. You probably have seen the highlights where he was catching the ball with guys draped all over him. Really an unbelievable throw where Jake Browning just kind of chucked it up, prayer into the end zone. T. Higgins jumped up like it was a rebound in basketball, got it, and then as he was falling backwards, reaches the ball behind his head with one hand, sticks it just as he's falling out of bounds over the pylon into the end zone, touchdown by just a few inches, but it you know you just got to get that little part of the ball into the end zone. It counted. Bengals ended up forcing overtime after that and winning the game in overtime. But going back to the beginning of this game, T. Higgins got off to a really rough start. He had a drop the very first play from scrimmage for the Bengals. Beautiful pass by Jake Browning, put it right on T. Higgins. Stone cold drop again. So it was off to a rough start. The beginning of this game was really not looking good for the Bengals. Their first drive, they had a few things. like the, It was interesting because they had some good schemed up plays on that on that first drive normally it's your scripted plays you run them all week in preparation for the game you know what's coming so you're kind of trying to maybe if you have any tricks up your sleeve you're probably going to see them in that first drive they tried the trick with a Tanner Hudson double pass or I guess it was just a handoff to Tanner Hudson 
trick didn't work. Again, for the Bengals, they need to stop having receivers throw passes. Only Jake Browning should be throwing passes. He's the only one who's qualified. He actually was setting all kinds of records. I think they said in the history of the NFL, there's only been one quarterback who's had 1,000 yards and 75% completion in his first four starts, and that's Jake Browning. Jake Browning continues to put on unbelievable performances. He had 324 yards in this game, two touchdowns, one interception, a horrible interception, but you're going to have some throws like that. Even the best quarterbacks make mistakes, so he's not going to be perfect. It seemed like a backbreaker at the time just because Bengals were already down by 11. He threw that interception to begin the second half. He felt like, oh, that's the killer. That's You felt like, oh, maybe that's the turning point on Jake Browning. Maybe he's going to fold up. This is They've got him figured out. He's confused. He's going to get flustered or something like that, but that never happened. Jake Browning is mature. He's calm. He's steady. He doesn't get flustered. He didn't let that interception phase him. He just came back, kept firing, kept making plays, and led the Bengals team to a victory. It was unbelievable, and I've got belief in Jake Browning. Paul Brown used to say, winning makes believers of us all, and that is truly what this Bengals team has done. I was like I said, I was still going to watch the games, but I was thinking more of I was going to lower my expectations, just hope for maybe some nice plays from the younger guys for the rest of this season. I didn't have the belief in this team to have any kind of success going to the playoffs or anything like that. But winning made a believer out of me. Winning is making believers out of a lot of people around the country. If they can continue to win games, people are going to have to take notice. They're going to stop ignoring this team eventually. But that's the thing is, as soon as Joe Burrow got out of the lineup, people couldn't wait to stop talking about the Bengals. They've been kind of in the news because of, they've been thrust into the front headlines because of Joe Burrow, because he's so popular. He's got the hair and the chain and the sunglasses, and he's a good-looking guy. Everybody wants a piece of Joe Burrow, and put he's putting him, they're putting Joe Burrow in their ads and all that kind of stuff. Joe Burrow doesn't have that outgoing personality. Like Jamar Chase was talking about how Jake Browning and Joe Burrow are different people, different personalities. Jake Browning is more outgoing. He's going to talk to everybody in the locker room and kind of pal around and joke around with people. Joe Burrow is kind of much more cool reception to everybody. He doesn't say hi to everybody. He just kind of walks in, laser focused, does his business, goes straight to his locker, starts, you know, reading over the playbook and doesn't really socialize with the other guys. You know, he's not playing ping pong and being, you know, joking around that much. So it's a different dynamic. And Maybe a more successful one. Maybe Joe Burrow is going to have to take some lessons from this season as he grows and develops because we know he's the franchise going forward. It's not going to be the Jake Browning show after this. He's just holding the seat, keeping the seat warm for Joe Burrow until he gets back next year. But Joe Burrow should be taking notes and observing what Jake Browning is doing because he's having success. So there's, you know, just like Joe Burrow was learning from the defense and Louie Anarumo. Joe Burrow needs to take some lessons from what Jake Browning is doing to have success and try to put some of that into his game. Maybe Joe Burrow can be a little bit more outgoing and socialize more with his teammates, try to build a little bit more camaraderie so they're not so tight and up and feel like they have to play at their absolute maximum to meet Joe Burrow's expectations and he's going to be mad at them if they don't do everything correctly. Like Maybe Joe Burrow can be a little bit more of a coach and a buddy with these guys. Help them out. But not only... Does Jake Browning's performance give me belief in him and this team going forward? But it's so much nicer to have a backup who you can have confidence in as opposed to a lot of the other teams around the league, like the Vikings and the Steelers, who are going to be up next week. There is controversy because they're losing games. Obviously, you lose games, your job is in jeopardy. People start asking questions about whether or not they should make changes. We're not making any changes with Jake Browning as the quarterback. Jake Browning is obviously the quarterback from here on out. Nobody's clamoring for A.J. McCarron or anything like that. Everybody's got confidence in Jake Browning, and we're moving forward. And that's a good feeling. This whole thing felt good this weekend. If you listen to the Bengals UK podcast with Paul and Nathan, like I mentioned on a couple other podcasts, they do a great job. So check out the Cincinnati podcast if you haven't already. But... Because of that podcast, I knew that Nathan, one of the co-hosts of the show, was going to be making his first trip to Cincinnati to watch a Bengals game. First trip to Paycor Stadium. He was all excited about it, but he ordered his tickets, scheduled his flight, and got his hotel and everything booked way back in the beginning of the season when Joe Burrow was still healthy. He thought he was going to see 
you know, it's a completely different team. So as I'm watching this game, I've got in the back of my head, Nathan, the host, is there. He's watching this game. This is his first game, first experience in the Bengals stadium. And he's watching this. They're down 17-3. to DJ Reader is injured pretty much like first quarter of the game. Things aren't going well. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of a miserable way for Nathan to spend his first game. Then all of a sudden, Bengals come back in miraculous fashion, win the game in overtime. So Nathan had a great story that he can tell on the podcast. He, he told on the podcast, I would encourage everybody to go listen to the most recent episode, the Christmas episode of Cincinnati. Nathan had a great story to tell on their podcast. I was very happy to hear that. So everybody in Bengals fandom can have a great week leading up to Christmas. Hopefully the Bengals can get a win over the Steelers on Christmas Eve. But before we get to that, let's dive into this game itself. Like I mentioned, I did some reaction recording of the All-22 film, so I'm going to bring you that recording, and then we'll come back with a little wrap-up after that before we close out this episode of Bengal Bites. First play of the game, Jake Browning threw a perfect pass to T. Higgins on the right sideline. T. Higgins completely stone-cold dropped it, and he almost, I still don't understand why these guys fade out of bounds instead of staying in bounds. He could have, if he was coordinated, whatever. But yeah, just totally uncoordinated. Stops, turns around, drops the ball, taking his, maybe he thought he was going to get blown up. Perfect pass, perfect protection, good play call, good design. T. Higgins just completely dropped it. So that's where everybody seems to forget all these bad plays missed. There was an offensive pass interference on T. Higgins that wasn't called, and then he dropped the pass anyway on another perfect pass later in the game. Obviously, T. Higgins scored two touchdowns in this game, so people are only going crazy about that. Nobody mentioned the patches that he dropped in this game. Anyway, uh, also on this drive, they, let's see, there was a good play by Chase Brown, swing pass to the left, broke a tackle, picked up the first down. That was good. They got five wide, threw it to Irv Smith. They got a first down deep up the right sideline to Jamar Chase. He got his two feet in bounds right before he went out of bounds, about a 25-yard pickup where Jake Browning got completely smoked on the A-gap blitz by number 49, middle linebacker, up the middle. Totally annihilated Jake Browning. He got the pass off just in time. Perfect pass, hit Jamar right in stride. First down, got him in scoring position. But then they tried to do a reverse pass or end-around pass to Tanner Hudson with only one receiver. T. Higgins was the only receiver in the route and he was double covered so there's no way that he was going to throw it to him he tried to run it he should have just thrown it away i made that mistake when we were playing pen in college i had the pass because i was a threat on the reverse everybody knew i could take it to the house on the ground said so that you know t- nobody's scared of tanner hudson on the end around so that's why this play didn't make any sense obviously he can throw it and when you're wearing receiver gloves it's way harder to throw but also when i was in college even they had the site okay we have one Decker, the tight end going out for the intermediate, like 15-yard out. And then we had the wide receiver going up the sidelines for the fade route. All they had was T. Higgins on the corner, nobody else. They had Drew Sample and Mitch Wilcox blocking. And Joe Mixon was just standing on the backside not doing anything. It was only T. Higgins, and he was double covered. So not a good idea. They should retire all these other people throwing passes who aren't Jake Browning. Obviously, Jake Browning is the superior thrower of the football, and nobody else Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Tanner Hudson hasn't been successful. I don't want to see anybody else throwing the ball except for Joe Mixon, maybe. Okay, give it to you know Joe Mixon. He had a couple touchdown passes, so we can let him throw. That's good. But other than that, Jake Browning and nobody else. But Bengals had to settle for the field goal on their first drive. Then when the Vikings got the ball, they one of the I think it was the one of the first second play. DJ Reader, you could see his right leg just completely collapsed he tried to take on the double team and that's what these guys do is you know post put their leg in the ground like a post and try to take on these double teams but his leg just completely collapsed right away and he fell over it's hard to watch torn quad tendon it's the same injury he had in 2020 he's going to be out for the rest of the season this meant josh tupo and zach carter had to play a lot more in this game and they got a lot of snaps that we're gonna have to rely on them going forward Bengals gave up the touchdown where they had a swing pass out to the right. Well-designed play. 
running back was wide open out of the backfield. Jermaine Pratt was slow to get over, pushed him out right before the goal line. But then Bengals didn't have a goal line stand. They let an easy run up the middle off the right tackle. Miles Murphy was late getting on the field. They were, Bengals were a little bit out of sorts, trying to get lined up for that touchdown and let him in easy. Maybe that was why Zach Taylor later in the game, when he saw they were getting struggling to get lined up on third down, the critical third and fourth down in overtime, he called timeout because he knew they let up an easy touchdown. You can't let them get easy yards when you have a chance. I think they were still reeling because DJ Reader had just got carted off the field, but when he went off the field, he was like pointing, yelling at everybody, you know, trying to keep people in the game and not feel sorry for him, not feel down, telling them they need to win the game. Jake Browning passed to Tyler Boyd on the left sideline. Second drive, way off. I don't know if it was windy. I didn't see. It was cold, though. I didn't see any rain in this game. It was Saturday, not Sunday. Joe Mixon, hard running, though, up the middle. Joe Mixon, he's been looking good. People were dogging on Joe Mixon. Maybe that Chase Brown competition, he doesn't want anymore. He's like, hey, don't forget about me. You know, Chase Brown's the rookie. But, oh, Joe Mixon made a good cut off Jonah Williams' block. Ivan Pace Jr., the Cincinnati alum. I didn't even know that because I'm not from Cincinnati. I think he went to Colerain and went to, he was a UC Bearcat, unanimous All-American last year. That's how much I don't follow college football outside of Ohio State, even inside my own state, Calvin Pace Jr. Maybe that linebacker is number 45. I don't know. Ah, another pass, Jake Browning skipped. That was where... It was like, what? Brad Robbins actually got off a decent punt. I think this was like a 50-yard. I have to go back and check the stats on Brad Robbins punting. Maybe a better day punting from Brad Robbins. They got some return yards, though. That was the thing that's unusual. Oh, God, Nick Scott in the game. Personal protector, Nick Scott. That's what we picked him up for. Free agent, Nick Scott. That's the thing about DJ Reader's injury, though, is you would figure that kind of stuff wouldn't have happened most likely on grass. These turf fields, they don't have any give. So when you plant your foot, your foot just gets stuck. Your leg is just stuck and there's nowhere for it to go. So when you have two people pressing like 600 pounds on top of you and your leg is stuck in the ground, that's how your tendons blow out. If the Bengals had grass, his foot probably would have just slid out when all the pressure gets too much for your foot. Your foot is gonna lose traction. It's gonna break friction with the grass, you know, if it's wet enough, your foot should just slide out from under you and you'll just fall on the ground and not blow out your knee. DJ Ivy also blew out his ACL trying to cover a punt where he's coming down and he's trying to decelerate, slow down, and the turf, again, all the forces into his knee blows out his ACL. Bengals, if you want to, you know, talk about upgrading the stadium, the first thing they need to do is upgrade the surface. I don't give a fuck about all the lights and the scoreboards and the music and amping up the excitement. I'm going to be excited when the players aren't getting injured. Charlie Jones going motherfucking sideways. I don't get it. He literally ran all the way across the field for like an eight-yard return. What the fuck, Charlie Jones? They had a good screen pass set up to Chase Brown. He just, he, ah, he couldn't spin out and stay in bounds. The cornerback... Got enough of him. He could have had a bigger gain because he had blockers and there was only the cornerback, but they still picked up a first down. Ooh, somebody got bent up backwards. That's kind of stuff. You see these guys getting bent up over all over the place. Oh, Chase Brown out of the backfield. Pop up. Chase Brown contributing. See, this is what we were missing. That And Joe Mixon, he's going to be even fresher when he comes later in the game. This is an overtime game. You know these dudes are tired. That's why Chase Brown getting these snaps. So important. Pop up. <laughs> Jake Browning trying to do the fake-out move. Ha! Ha! Mmm. Almost got... Nope. It was intentional grounding because he was trying to avoid the sack and just threw the ball away, but he was inside the pocket. So it ended up being like second and 20. And they threw a screen pass to Jamar Chase for negative yards. So it was like third and 20. No, it was like third and 15. Second drive, not a lot of success. Or third drive. Then they try to go deep to Charlie Jones and just miss him. Just missed him over the middle. Vikings had two deep safeties. Middle field open. Nobody covering the middle of the field. Charlie Jones gets loose. They let him go. Don't get a hand on him. Harrison Smith 
ah, just out of Charlie Jones' grasp. He didn't have that Jamar Chase burst at the end. We would have, if that was Jamar Chase, he probably would have caught it and scored a touchdown, let's be honest. But Charlie Jones, not quite enough. Andre Yosivash probably would have caught that too. Now we're into the second quarter. Vikings getting their third drive. Bengals defense still staying. They got BJ Hill, Josh Tupo, 68, big 68. He's taking the place of DJ Reader. It's almost as weird how Joe Burrow was number nine, Jake Browning is number six. DJ Reader, 98. Josh Tupo, 68. So the backup just has the six instead of the nine. Josh Tupo, they say, oh, Jake Browning looks like Joe Burrow out there. Josh Tupo looked like DJ Reader out there. And Dax Hill could have had an interception, easy interception over the middle. He read the play. I mean, he broke it up. So good play. Oh, Logan Wilson, good pressure on Nick Mullins. Dax Hill so mad at himself. Justin Jefferson, that's who he was trying to jump the route. That's a, you know, they're probably going to go to Justin Jefferson early and often. So good film study by Dax Hill, second year player to get in there and break up the pass. Bengals are showing a lot of pressure, causes the Vikings to false start and probably a lot of crowd noise at this point. Crowd overall did a good job, but there was a lot of purple in the stands, I noticed. A lot of Vikings fans, I don't know, maybe the Vikings. There was more, seemed like more purple than there were blue for the Colts fans last week. And the Colts are closer to Cincinnati than Minnesota. So I don't know why the Vikings fans seem to have traveled further or have more enthusiasm or maybe the ticket prices were better. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the market dynamics, why there were so many Vikings fans at this game, but it was kind of weird. But this is what we kind of expected. T.J. Hawkinson beating the Bengals over the middle. Bengals linebackers couldn't get much going against T.J. Hawkinson. He had a lot of success in this game. Logan Wilson made a few plays. Vikings tried the receiver pass with Justin Jefferson, which is a better idea. He does the bubble motion behind the line of scrimmage. He gets pressure. There's like five guys in his face right away, though. That's the problem is... Justin Jefferson, everybody's looking at him. So they only had and see they only had one guy blocking, but it was still a one-man route. And the guy was open. It's just that Justin Jefferson has so many people in his face that he couldn't throw it accurately. He threw it away, so it was incomplete. Didn't get intercepted. He didn't get sacked. So they didn't lose yards on the play. But if he could have maybe had like some miracle pass, <laughs> there's literally like three guys about to hit Justin Jefferson all at the same time. And he's not a quarterback. He's not getting paid to stand in there and take hits like that. So he's like, oh, my God, throw it away. Nice play by Nick Mullins and TJ Hawkinson, though. Bengals sent the blitz. Dax Hill off the right side. And who was that? Trey Hendrickson. But he threw it outside of the linebacker, Logan Wilson. Hawkinson made a nice catch. Had to go back behind his body. Caught it. Got the first down. Good athleticism and hands by Hawkinson. Ooh, Mike Hilton timing up. The run blitz, though. That's the thing. Mike Hilton is so good at, as soon as that guy motions inside, he pretends like he's covering him, doesn't show any kind of blitz. Trey Hendrickson is, like, waving his fingers for some reason. And then knife in off the inside, makes the tackle. Even though he's small, Mike Hilton is so good at making those tackles in the backfield on run plays. In the back end, we got Cheeto, DJ Turner, Dax Hill, and Jordan Battle as the starters, as we would expect. Mike Hilton's in there. Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, pretty much going nickel. And Mike Hilton makes the amazing interception at the goal line, at the one-yard line, when it looked like the Vikings were about to score again. Mike Hilton's playing free safety. They have Nick Scott underneath. Mike Hilton's playing free safety on Justin Jefferson. Terrible decision by Nick Mullins. I don't know if he didn't see Mike Hilton, he threw it short. It was going to be about, it was going to not even get to Justin Jefferson. JJ was in the end zone, and that pass was going to hit like before it even got to him. But Mike Hilton was standing right there. Nick Mullins was just blind, completely didn't see Mike Hilton. He, was, he didn't move. That's where he was. He was playing free safety, but Mike, maybe Mike Hilton is just so small, and he's wearing the all black. That's the thing. The uniforms, they had the all black with the orange on the helmets, orange on the stripes, on the pants orange on the shoulders. It looks really good. 
Mm, I like Joe Mixon with the orange shoes and maybe Jamar. I have to see what shoes he wore in the second half. He started off with first half with black shoes and he's going to, Jamar always switches his shoes at halftime. He said partly for style reasons, but mostly because he's got sweaty feet. And I know that's like, you know, your shoes get all waterlogged and full of sweat. So you go into halftime, he probably changes his socks, changes his shoes at halftime, come out with fresh socks, nice and dry, because you don't run around all game with wet feet. It's just not ideal. Your feet are slipping and sliding around inside your shoes. They're heavier. So Jamar Chase is always looking for every advantage he can get. Bengals try to throw a screen pass to Drew Sample. It's too high. Not a good pass by Jake Browning. It's lucky it doesn't get intercepted because it's just popped up over the middle of the field. Easily could have been picked off by the Vikings if somebody had been in the right position. Oh, my God. Jake Browning was scrambling around in the backfield. Got completely destroyed. He didn't see this guy coming off the right edge. He's got to know, you know, he's running around like he's Zach Wilson back there. One thousand. He's, oh, Jesus. He turns right back into the defensive line. Number 99, Daniil Hunter. That's the worst person to turn back into. Guys lit up. They're back, like, yeah, it's like third and 20 at that point. They just do a run up the middle to try to get some yards back with Travion Williams. That's what they always do. They give Travion the ball when it's like third and 25. Here you go, Travion. Go get like eight yards, whatever. I mean, that's why Travion's yards per carry are so high is because the defense is in, you know, prevent defense, so they're playing way back. They know that they can tackle Travion, you know, before he gets anywhere. How was this punt for Brad Robbins? Uh, not bad. Only gets to the 35-yard line. Not that deep of a punt, though, because he went around 10, 20, 30. From the 30 to the 35, that's like a 35-yard punt and out of bounds. No return, but still, 30, eh, maybe 36 will give him sideways. No return. I don't know. We'll have to check Brad Robbins' stats real quick here. Mm, check this out. Brad Robbins had four punts for an average of 48 yards per punt. That's got to be Brad's best. That's like 10 yards more than his typical average. Usually gets like 38 yards a punt, so 48 and two inside the 20. No touchbacks. Good job keeping the ball out of the end zone. Long of 56. So that's probably Brad Robbins' best punting performance of the year. Vikings looked like I got some kind of scoring drive going at the end of the first half, but then they get two sacks in Nick Mullins in a row, or it looked like two sacks. So the first play, Miles Murphy got another sack. He beat Christian Derisaw off the edge. Sam Hubbard was looking close to getting a sack, but Miles Murphy came in. Almost looked like he had a strip sack because he was swatting at the ball, but good play. Ooh, Jake Browning almost looked like he got hip drop tackled and got his legs taken out. That would have been ugly if he got like rolled up on, so lucky for Jake Browning. But going back to the Vikings drive, next play after the sack, they're like, okay, the coach is probably telling him don't get a sack, but Nick Mullins is wrapped up by B.J. Hill. So instead of just taking the sack, which would have pushed them even, made the field goal even harder for the Vikings, he tries to throw the ball away, which is a stupid decision because he's not he's on the way down. He throws it into B.J. Hill's face mask, basically. Like, B.J. Hill's lying on the ground. Nick Mullins throws it, like, behind his back into B.J. Hill's face, basically. B.J. Hill is, again, in the right place, right time. Second week in a row, B.J. Hill makes an interception. This time, it, like, bounces off his face into his hands. He's already just sitting on the ground, so he just rolls over and has a touchdown. <laughs> All right, he just rolls over and has the interception and starts going crazy, but it's just Vikings are kind of shooting themselves in the foot here. They could have had some points for sure. Then Nick Mullins, you know, backup quarterback. This is why he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. This is why probably most people weren't excited about this game. Like around the NFL podcast, didn't even preview this game. That's how much people disrespected Bengals versus Vikings. They didn't even talk about Jake Browning versus Nick Mullins because it didn't have any juice. Even though these teams are both 7-6 and six going into this game, fighting for their playoff lives, nobody cares about Bengals and Vikings, whatever. After the interception, Jake Browning goes deep to T. Higgins down the right sideline. T. Higgins, this is where it looked like he pushed off. 
offensive pass interference like T. Higgins does almost every play. And then he dropped the pass. He had it in his hands, but then the ball hit the ground. They ruled it incomplete because he didn't control the ball. Like the ground helped him catch the ball, like they were saying on the announce crew. I think it was Charlie Rose and Devin McCourty on the call. Devin McCourty did a decent job, I thought, calling the game with some commentary and analysis about like what the players were doing. Viking busted off a long run. It's supposed to be into the third quarter because there's no way this is still the second quarter. Vikings shift their two tight ends over. Vikings played a lot of two and three tight end sets. DJ Turner has a perfect angle and just gets completely juked out of his shoes. And then Jordan Battle, he's lucky the running back couldn't get around him to get to the end zone because Jordan Battle wasn't in a position to make a tackle. He just kind of had to run him out of bounds toward the sidelines. The guy didn't really make much of an effort to stay inbounds for whatever reason. Next play, Jordan Battle comes up and makes a nice stop. Short gain on the running back. So that's the thing. is like Jordan Battle, he can come up and make a hit. He's a physical player. He's big, but he's just not that fast. Ooh, Nick Mullins does a nice job fitting the ball on the sidelines over Trey Hendrickson, who is, instead of coming in on a rush, he was buzzing out to the flat to kind of play like the cover two underneath. Fits it right in front of DJ Turner to Justin Jefferson for like a 15-yard gain. Justin Jefferson turns and looks at the Bengals sidelines like, yeah, what's up? You guys know that was good. Ooh, again, Mike Hilton tries to come in on the run blitz, but this time the Vikings player is able to sneak up inside. That's the thing. It's a little bit risky when Mike Hilton comes in on the blitz. Sometimes he gets there, sometimes he doesn't. But Cheeto and Jordan Battle, actually, Jordan Battle was there to make the tackle. Vikings throw, not the same play, but a similar throw for Nick Mullins to that left sideline where they free, where they had just hit Justin Jefferson. They hit Jordan Addison on the left sideline. Addison went over 100 yards in this game for receiving. Next play, though, Nick Mullins is definitely, that should have been intentional grounding. And Zach Taylor was losing his mind because the Bengals got called for intentional grounding. But Nick Mullins... The pass, they were trying to throw like a screen out to the right. He stood there, looked like he didn't know what to do, then threw the ball straight into the ground, not anywhere near the receiver, and it was behind the line of scrimmage. He wasn't outside the pocket. I don't know what the explanation was from the referees, why they didn't call intentional grounding. It should have been. It was just an incomplete pass. Bengals get a stop on defense after this anyway, but Zach Taylor was losing his mind with good reason because it definitely was intentional grounding. I don't know what they were talking about. Then I, I thought they got to stop. It looked like they had to stop. But instead, right when Nick Mullins was in the grasp, it looked like he was going to go down for a sack. He should have thrown it to Jordan Addison sooner. He had him open right away. For some reason, he waited until Cam Sample had him wrapped up. Then he threw it. DJ Turner misses the tackle. He's diving. There's nobody behind DJ Turner all the way to the end zone. Easy touchdown for Jordan Addison. If you go back and watch, Nick Scott is supposed to be the free safety. He's covering Justin Jefferson all the way to the opposite side of the field, all the way into the end zone, triple covering this guy that has no chance to get the ball. Meanwhile, it's one-on-one DJ Turner against Jordan Addison. DJ Turner falls down. So there's literally nobody on the Bengals for the 30 yards all the way to the end zone. He doesn't get touched. Nobody comes anywhere close to him. Nick Scott is the only person who's anywhere close. That was obviously where he was supposed to be. Nick Scott is so... They need to get him off the field. I mean... Why, please, we need to cut him. Is this a one-year contract? How many years are on the Nick Scott contract exactly? Can we get out of this? Like, it saves any kind of money because this is not really working out. All right, yeah, that was the Vikings' first drive of the second half where they scored the touchdown, went up 14-3 to on the Bengals. Bengals came back on their next drive, got the ball going. I don't know why Jake Browning didn't throw it to Tanner Hudson. He was wide open over the middle, but they checked it down to Charlie Jones for a two-yard gain. But, man, Tanner Hudson was wide open. There's some throws that Jake Browning is missing, and then the next play he throws an interception. That's why it was weird. They tried to run like a similar route to Irv Smith Jr., but Jake Browning totally misread it. The cornerback was just dropping into his own coverage, sitting on the route, just step right in front of it, Jake Browning. Horrible decision. He was shaking his head all the way off the sideline. He said after the game that he knew he 
just try to force it in there, try to make something happen because the team's down 14-3. to It's getting into the second half, and he just made a bad decision. So really, two two plays in a row he made a bad decision. He, he had Before that, he had the receiver wide open, Tanner Hudson, didn't throw it to him, checked it down to Charlie Jones for almost nothing. Then the next play, he tried to force it in when he didn't have a receiver open, so he should have checked it down. After the interception, Vikings take over about midfield. They have a deep over to Justin Jefferson. Amazing play because he gets blasted by Cheeto and Jermaine Pratt, but he makes on, but he holds on to it, makes the catch. I don't know why the Bengals' defensive ends, Trey Hendrickson and Miles Murphy, when they line up on that right, it always looks like they're lining up offsides. I don't know if it's the camera angle or what it is, but it always looks like the closest person to the camera is offsides for the Bengals. Vikings are just eating up the Bengals' defense in the second half with deep outs. Maybe the Vikings saw something. Akeem Davis-Gaither is in the game for some reason. Uh, don't We don't see a lot of him normally in the game instead of Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton wasn't playing bad. He just had the interception. But maybe because they're running the ball more, they need a little bit more heft. Miles Murphy getting some more snaps. No, Mike Hilton's in there. Zach Carter. B.J. Hill is playing some nose tackle in this game. Zach Carter. Camp Sample when they go five-man front. So Vikings are driving here. Now, they had a couple drives where they were in scoring position and Nick Millen's threw an interception so far in this game. So they're probably thinking, okay, no interceptions, Nick Millen's, you son of a... Oh! He hit the tight end on the deep out another out so they're like okay nick mullins you just throw don't throw it into bj hill's face anymore just throw the deep outs stuff that you're good at oh miscommunication on that play he tried to throw a deep out and nobody was there vikings had to settle for the field goal which they make to go up 17 to 3 midway through the third quarter so it's two touchdowns 14 point lead Right after Jake Browning throws a terrible interception, at this point in the game, I am feeling like, oh, okay, here we go. This is, you know, DJ Reader has gone out. DJ Ivy, I'm not sure if he's gotten hurt yet in this game. Uh, it might have been on that last, one of those last punt returns on that sideline, but DJ Ivy blew out his ACL and he got carted off in tears. That was unfortunate. They need to get a towel, like, Give the guy a towel to put over his head if he's going to be crying. Don't have the guy on TV crying into his jersey. Nobody, you know, wants to see that. He doesn't want people seeing him crying, I'm sure. So give him, you know, a towel or something so he can have a little privacy on the way out on the meat cart. Bengals tight ends. Sample, Wilcox. They're doing a lot of blocking in this game. They're getting their money's worth. (laughs) They're always getting their legs rolled up on from behind. These guys have a rough life out there. Tanner Hudson, he's more of the receiving tight end. He doesn't do a whole lot of blocking. Oh, Jake Browning, he was lucky he didn't get intercepted. He's got his hand hit right when he threw to Joe Mixon on the outside, and the linebacker thought he was going to come up and make the interception, but Joe Mixon did a good job of jumping in front of it, intercepting the pass, basically, from the defender. Good catch by Joe Mixon. He got it to third and short, and then Tanner Hudson got the first down, but he had Drew Sample wide open right in front of him, right standing like five yards over the ball, nobody around him, wide open. Jake Browning had to make it like extra difficult through the Tanner Hudson. I understand. You don't want to throw it to Drew Sample, your old college teammate, but yeah, just Jake Browning for the most part was seeing the field. Oh, God. I thought Tanner Hudson like broke his leg. He got undercut as soon as he caught it on the next play. Got his legs taken out low. E from behind, right in the legs. That was ugly, but he got up, popped up. He was fine. Good to see. But that's scary. He's in a defenseless position, getting his legs taken out. Irv Smith finally got into the action. He got like a 15 yard catch. So good job, Irv Smith. That's the thing is like, they, you can see, okay, yes, it was a similar play. I'm sure Zach Taylor was like, look, just throw it to the guy who's right in front of you, wide open. Don't make it harder than it has to be. So they're doing that. That's the thing that's interesting is Devin McCourty was 
talking about in the game they showed Nick Mullins making a check because it was more than 15 seconds left to snap the ball. So the coach can talk to the quarterback up until 15 seconds left going on in the game. So he can tell the quarterback basically what he wants him to do. If there's 30 seconds left on the play clock, he can say, okay, go do this, do that. They were doing that. You could see Nick Mullins would do something and the coach would tell him to do something else. Jamar Chase making a nice catch over the middle on third and long. Surprising that they didn't have a little bit more attention paid to Jamar Chase on some of these third and long plays. He converted one later. It was like third and 25. Nobody on Jamar Chase. Interesting. Yeah, they're just kind of in a soft zone. Harrison Smith, he's not anywhere close to Jamar Chase, but he's like 10 years older than Jamar Chase, so he knows he can't get beat deep like Charlie Jones ran by him. Those young guys, they got the speed on Harrison Smith, but they didn't get over the top in this game. They had to go deep down the sidelines like this to T. Higgins in the corner of the end zone for the touchdown. He does a good job getting both feet inbounds, completing the catch. I was scared for a minute that T's got those long legs. He was going to extend his stride out and not get both feet in because he didn't really drag his feet, but he did do a good job of just kind of short-stepping it with the second foot, getting that foot in bounds before he went out of bounds. Good job, T. Higgins. Bengals are back in the game. It's 17-10. to 10. They're only down by 7 now. And after this, this is where the Bengals got on a roll. They threw the interception to start the second half, but then they went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. This is where, after the game, Zach Taylor says they, quote-unquote, regained the momentum which doesn't make any sense because that's implying that they had the momentum. If they regained it, that they had to gain it back. So they had it at one point, but I don't When did they have the momentum? Was it in this game at some point? Cause they, except for they got a field goal to start the game. So does that mean if you get a field goal on your first drive, do you have the momentum or what about when the other team scores a touchdown immediately after you score a field goal, then who has the momentum at that point? Or is he referring to momentum from before the game? Because he seems to think that momentum is real. So maybe he thinks he talks about like momentum carrying over week to week, which doesn't make any sense. Completely different team, completely different players. You don't have momentum over them. But is he saying like as an organization, the Bengals franchise somehow has inherent momentum? This is why the whole momentum coach speak thing is really annoying to me. It doesn't make any sense. So they really just need to say, like, oh, we just, you know, got in the groove. You could say that, like, you had confidence, you know, in what you were doing. You were feeling motivated, but no momentum. No, There's no such thing as momentum. I really hate that. After the Vikings get the ball back, the Bengals do a good job of forcing a short, I don't know if it was a three and out, but you might have got one first down, but a short drive. Vikings have to punt back to the Bengals, and then they go to score a touchdown after this. So this sequence of plays where the Bengals finally get a stop of a short drive. Like, they had been allowing the Vikings right before this to do all the short throws to the outside. All these guys around the pile, the scene just get picked off their legs, getting cut out from underneath. T. Higgins going forward at the snap, but they don't call that because apparently this is the CFL now. You can go forward when you're going in motion, I guess. The Dolphins do that kind of stuff all the time with Tyreek Hill. They don't get called for it. T. Higgins is clearly going ahead. I don't know. Like some of these calls or non-calls in this game or just in games in general this year because they're so picky about like, okay, Kadarius Tony was way offside, but I saw later because they must have been like overdoing it with the offensive offside to make it not so stand out by itself, the Kadarius Tony play. Like they called it a bunch of times in a bunch of games over the weekend. So it must be a point of emphasis around the league. But some of these are really on the borderline. Guys, just barely, like, literally, like, half an inch into the neutral zone. But then other times they don't call it. It's so inconsistent. So they need to get more consistency. That's the thing. St. Higgins gets crumpled up into a pretzel, but he's fine. Yeah, this must be the fourth quarter. The Bengals are going the opposite direction this is where they start to get things going it almost gets picked off though he tries to throw screen out to tyler boyd on the right vikings could have had probably not a pick six but could have had an interception if it, it would have been a 
amazing play by the defensive lineman to make that. This one, did they call intentional grounding on that? Maybe that, did they call two intentional groundings on Jake Browning? He, this was intentional grounding also because he was just dropping back and just launched it out of bounds to nobody while he was in the pocket. And that was definitely intentional grounding. I think this is one where somehow they got a first down, even though he had intentional grounding back way up. Throws it, yeah, just deep over the middle, well-designed play. But, like, how do you leave Jamar Chase deep over the middle, wide open for, like, a 25-yard pass? Harrison Smith drops back over the middle. It's a good play design because they have T. Higgins running, like, a clear-out route. T. Higgins goes up the middle, and then Jamar Chase basically runs right behind him. So all the defenders are looking at T going first. Jamar kind of sneaks in behind, and he's wide open, but just... You think you want to pay a little bit more attention to the number one receiver, but I think this is the play where T or sorry, I think that was the play where Jamar Chase got hurt. He came off holding his shoulder when he went to the turf. That's another thing with this artificial turf. These hits going to the turf, it's hard. It's a hard impact on your shoulder. So Jamar has a separated shoulder, sprained AC joint, basically where your collarbone connects to your shoulder joint. That's your AC joint, and that's a sprain that can get separated. Those ligaments that hold that joint together can get sprained and separated. Hopefully, it's not a tear or anything that requires surgery, but that's not uncommon for receivers to have this type of injury when they get pinned into the ground where they're trying to hold onto the ball, and you go and hit onto the turf. Keenan Allen for the Chargers has had a history of sprained shoulders, a number of receivers, so hopefully this isn't a chronic thing for Jamar Chase, but I hold my breath seeing all these offensive linemen get their legs cut out because Alex Kappa, Bengals offensive guard, also was limping off during a portion of this game. It looked like he wasn't going to be able to stay in the game. I think that was in the first half, though, where he was limping, but he came back. He was, I guess, fine. We'll say he's had ankle history. I think he had a broken ankle a couple of seasons ago, so hopefully... He looks fine, though, coming out here in the second half. Ted Karras also was holding his arm in the first half, but he's fine in the second half. And then this was a strong run to get in the end zone, finish off the Bengals' drive. After Jamar Chase made the big catch, Joe Mixon just completely runs over Ivan Pace Jr., the rookie out of Cincinnati, number 40. He tried to get low, but Joe Mixon was just too big, too strong, ran him over, hit the truck stick on him, and went into the end zone. Tough run by Joe Mixon. That's what we need. And good job by the Bengals' offensive line. Not necessarily pushing them all the way out of the end zone, but giving Joe Mixon just enough space so that he's not getting hit before getting to the line of scrimmage. That's one of the things that was a theme for Joe Mixon in previous seasons when he wasn't having a lot of success was he was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage by blitzers. Did the Bengals light off like all the fireworks after that touchdown? The camera all of a sudden is smoky. It wasn't their first touchdown of the day, was it? Because it's tied up? They lit off all the fireworks? I don't know. It's 17 to 17, though. Vikings got to figure something out because they've been stalled out on a lot of their drives. They hit a nice pass over the middle, though. Jefferson Jefferson, 20 yards about deep in. Vikings hit the ball back. It looks like the Bengals are going to go ahead and take the lead. Jermaine Pratt, out of nowhere, pick six. He jumps in front of Justin Jefferson, reads the play, jukes out Nick Mullins, breaks through the tackle of Justin Jefferson into the end zone. Everybody's going crazy. And then offside penalty on Trey Hendrickson. Jumped in the neutral zone before the snap. No good. So they're like, oh, man. Could have been a big play for the Bengals. Called back because of a penalty. Vikings keep the ball, and they get a first down after this. And it looks like, I don't know if it looked like, the Vikings busted off a big run. Straight at the middle, gashed the Bengals. Clean play. They get it all the way down to the one-yard line for the Vikings. Nick Mullins scrambles around. It looks like he's throwing it away. All of a sudden, he throws it to Jordan Addison for the touchdown in the end zone. Jordan Addison's second touchdown of the game. Crazy, because it's like, oh, everybody's covered up. Jermaine Pratt was stuck on Jordan Addison. He was, there's no way 
Miles Murphy was coming over. He could have had a hand on it. Oh, man. That was crazy that the Vikings, you thought maybe they could at least, you know, hold him out, but immediately touchdown after Jermaine Pratt pick six. So just when it looked like the Bengals are going to go up and finally take the lead in this game after been being behind the entire time, now the Vikings turn it around and score a touchdown on the Bengals instead. So now it's 24-17 Vikings. Jake Browning, the one thing, or not the one thing, but one of the things that stands out about him is he's not afraid to stand in there and take a hit from a blitzing defender when he's looking to make a pass. He doesn't shy away from it. You see some other quarterbacks, they see the blitz coming in, about to hit him, and they just kind of curl up into a ball like Derek Carr, some people say when he's about to get hit, he'll curl up. But you see maybe inexperienced players like Zach Wilson, the blitz can affect their throws, but not Jake Browning. He's played a lot of football. He's not afraid of getting hit. He stands in there and takes the hit. And a lot of times he might be on his back, but his receiver's running down the field. Here, Turf Monster catches Joe Mixon. Looks like he could have picked up some more yards on the pass, but he trips and falls, stumbles down on this turf. I don't like the turf, the rubber pellets, the plastic artificial grass. It looks gross when you watch it on TV because you see all this black underneath. It doesn't even look like a real field. It looks like they're just playing on a bunch of, like it is, ground-up tires, ground-up rubber pellets, and it's full of carcinogens. It's not helping anybody. It's hard on their legs. I don't like it. Jake Brown tried to throw it up to T. Higgins deep down the right sideline, but he threw it like 10 yards out of bounds. I don't know if he got hit or what, but he came back on third and five, threw it out to the left side to number 80-something. I was like, oh, man, they're throwing it too. Because he had Travion in the backfield. They had Drew Sample at the right tight end, but he stayed in the block. Travion stayed in the block. They threw it out to Andre Yosevash. I was like, oh, that guy's moving pretty fast for a number 80-something, but... Thank God, since this is where Jamar Chase is out of the game, Yossi Vosh has to step up. What is up with this All-22 camera from NFL.com? It's so out of focus, you can't even see the numbers of the players on the field. It's totally blurred out. So something, NFL.com, this is why, what am I paying for NFL.com? Their website is terrible. You can't watch it, the games live on anything except for mobile half of the time. It's a complete joke, NFL. But then... Is this where? Oh, yeah. That was crazy. There's no reason why Jake Browning should be just throwing the ball up into the double coverage down in the end zone for T. Higgins. But somehow it works out. T. Higgins goes up, makes a rebound. Oh, my God. Jake Browning is under pressure, throws up a prayer, corner of the end zone, T. Higgins, and then he reaches backwards with the ball, scores a touchdown. That was the craziest touchdown catch I've seen in a while because he caught it, bent backwards, ball in one hand, reaches back over the pylon to score the touchdown right in front of the referee who's standing right there to see it calls it a touchdown it's good Bengals tie up the game 24-24 with just a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter after the game Zach Taylor was talking about he couldn't give out game balls because like he does every week he gives out game balls to everybody and he said something about Travion Williams making an amazing block I don't know what block. I'll have to find, maybe he's talking about overtime. I didn't see any amazing Travion Williams blocks so far. Trey Hendrickson comes in, though, when the Vikings are trying to go down and score to win the game. Trey Hendrickson comes in and says, I don't think so. He gets a sack, push the Vikings back into their own territory. They hit the screen pass, gets a minimal gain. They're not going to pick up a first down. That's pretty terrible play by Nick Mullins, honestly, on third down, because it was third and ten. He got out of the pocket and then just didn't throw it. Like, he wasn't going to scramble. All he got was, like, one yard. He should have thrown it to somebody, but instead they had to punt. But when the Vikings punted this, Charlie Jones, Colin Fair catch, DJ Turner gets blocked into him. Andre Yosivash, luckily, is there to jump on the ball before the Vikings because the Vikings, I don't think, maybe they could have. I don't know if they, the rule since... It got touched by the Bengals. They could have returned it. I'm not sure if the Vikings... I think they would have just taken over at the spot. Bengals are able to just take a knee after this and go to overtime. But Vikings, that could have been a huge play for the Vikings. If they would have recovered that muffed punt, 
they could have easily just scored a field goal right there to go up 27-24 and win the game. So lucky that Andre Yosivash was there to recover that fumble. Or I guess it wasn't a fumble. It was a muff punt, live ball. Anybody could have gotten it. Anybody could have recovered it at that point. So good job by Andre. Bengals' first drive in overtime does not go very well at all, though. They're trying to pass out a shotgun. Jake Browning, he, he gets away. He rolls out to his left on the first play. Second play, he gets sacked, takes a big sack. He pump fakes, doesn't get anything, and then holds onto the ball until he gets just wrapped up in the back of the end zone. Third down, he's able to step out of a sack. It looked like he was going to get sacked. Throws it downfield up to T. Higgins. This was where probably should have been defensive pass interference. The cornerback had a fistful of T. Higgins' jersey all the way down the field. He didn't really turn around and make a play on the pass. So it was a great job by Jake Browning to get away, step up, not just take off running because he knows he's not going to make the first down. But he gets it to T. Higgins downfield. And then no offensive pass interference. Andre Yosivas is standing there losing his mind. Nobody understands. Zach Taylor is going crazy. Big play in a big spot. Bengals don't get bailed out. Vikings get the punt. And they get a decent return off 10 yards up to their 38-yard line. So... Good punt by Brad Robbins here in a big spot. It's overtime. They need to get out of their own territory. So they're punting from about the 15 or 20-yard line. Pushes the returner back to about the 25, roughly, maybe 27. So a good punt to flip the field by Brad Robbins. Vikings start off their first drive at overtime hot. At this point, next score wins. So if the Vikings, all they need is a field goal. They start off with a about a 15-yard pass to TJ Hawkinson, one-on-one with Dax Hill over the middle. Hawkinson puts a good move on Dax Hill to get open across the middle of the field. They get it on him. Nick Mullins puts the pass right on Hawkinson. He has to go up, make a jumping, leaping grab with both hands, but he does a good job to bring it down. Dax Hill makes the tackle, but it's first down Vikings. And this is where it got kind of strange. They complete the pass to TJ Hawkinson, and he kind of loops back around to avoid Jermaine Pratt, tries to leap over Dax Hill. They give him kind of a short spot on the play, I thought. I thought he got closer to the first down, but they say he was short. Third down, Vikings try to do the tush push with, I think it was Jordan Addison. or No, it was one of the smaller receivers. The guy who's like 165 pounds for the Vikings comes in and tries to push the quarterback. So that's number four. So Nick Mullins tries to push him forward, but the Bengals do a great job of stuffing up the middle with Zach Carter, Miles Murphy, Jermaine Pratt, B.J. Hill, Sam Hubbard. Next play, Vikings try to do the exact same thing. It goes even worse. Two plays in a row, it doesn't work, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why the Vikings tried to run this exact same concept. If it didn't work the first time, why would they try to do that the second time? The thing that kind of sabotaged the Vikings on this fourth down play was Nick Mullins didn't get the snap cleanly. He kind of bobbled the snap initially in his hands, wasn't able to grab it from the center, so he hesitated and wasn't able to kind of dive forward maybe as aggressively as he normally would. So they get stopped. Ball goes back over to the Bengals. If the Vikings had converted, they would have had the ball at about the 40-yard line of the Bengals. If they would have had 15 more yards, could have gotten an easy field goal to win this game. So it was a huge stop, pivotal moment in the game for the Bengals' defense without D.J. Reader. D.J. Reader went out in the first quarter. They've been without him. But in that moment, that's where D.J. Reader would have been. Oh, bad pass. Andre Yosevas was wide open, running across the middle of the field, way behind pass from Jake Browning. Missed opportunity there because Yosevas probably would have had room to run. Next play, though, Kind of a broken play almost. Jake Browning's running out, scrambling, finds Tyler Boyd across the middle of the field. It looked like maybe he was trying to throw it to T. Higgins. Jake Browning was. Maybe this is the play from Travion. No. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about with Travion Williams, but the point is Tyler Boyd catches it, runs all the way down to about the 12-yard line. Travion's down there. I'll have to roll this back. What, what did Travion do? They're going crazy about some kind of Travion Williams play. But Tyler Boyd catches the pass. The defenders for the Vikings are kind of confused. They don't know, oh, who caught it? They don't know if T caught it or Tyler Boyd caught it. 
all of a sudden Tyler Boyd's running up the sidelines. Jake Brown was like, oh, I'm sure if it were like a different part of the game, TB would have scored a touchdown on this play, but he just wanted to be safe with the ball, ball security, you know, get down to the ground. But I think it's just that, you know, Tyler Boyd's not that fast anymore. He doesn't have any moves anymore. He's getting up there in age. So he probably doesn't have the kind of explosiveness to get into the end zone at this point in his career. But that's okay. We don't need him to get in the end zone. All they need to do after this point is basically take a knee, get the ball into the middle of the field so that Evan McPherson has an easy field goal to win the game on third down, which they do. They don't take any chances. Go out there, kick it right through the middle, and win the game. Amazing job by the Bengals. Bengals fans are going crazy in the stands, as you would expect. A lot of Vikings fans standing around with arms crossed, sad looks on their face. But again, why are there so many mother-effing Vikings fans in the stands at a Bengals game? It's like, I mean, it's not 50-50, but it's like 25% Vikings fans. What is going on? And that was the game. Bengals ended up winning overtime 27-24 and advanced to 8-6. Up next, the Bengals have to face the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. Mason Rudolph, it sounds like, is going to be the quarterback. We'll have lots of preview to get to in that episode but after this game in Jake Browning's post-game press conference he said they asked him what's your emotion what's your reaction after such a roller coaster game he's like I feel like I need a beer after that game and probably a lot of Bengals fans were drinking a lot of beers after this win it was a great win for the team like I said their season's not over so this is just pumping more life into a season that seemingly was dead just a few short weeks ago There's a lot of excitement, so stick with us all the way through. We'll come back with the next episode later this week to preview this game. It's going to be another Saturday game, so they're playing Saturday to Saturday, but at least they get a full seven days off instead of the short six weeks they've been having the last couple games. We'll come back later in the week with a preview for that Steelers game. It's going to be a huge playoff-implicating game against the Steelers, the dreaded Steelers, so really need to get a victory in that one. But until then, I'm going to leave you with a who day. And stay hungry for more Bengal Bites.